Welcome, true believer readers, to another episode of Let's Read Spider-Man. And here is a man who dislikes Ned Leeds even more than the Molten Man, my friend Eddie. How are you doing today, Eddie? Ned Leeds is not my favorite. I, I'm feeling a little wiggly today. I'm gonna I'm gonna try my best to hold still and focus for this uh, podcast we got coming up about good old Multi. Um, how about you, James B? How are you feeling? Well, I'm I'm, I'm thrown off because you said you're feeling wiggly. <laughs> Correct. I'm just a little squirmy. I don't know why. It's... Sometimes you're tired. Sometimes you yeah. tell me that you're, you got things going on in your house, but I've never heard you declare that you're wiggly. It it happens occasionally. <laughs> I guess a little too much energy. Sure. That's I'm actually pretty... a little tired. I, I had read uh, two of these books earlier, and about an hour before we came on, I happened to be fortunate enough to have a copy of the third book, and I was reading it. And I was two pages from the end, and I started falling asleep. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. An ominous. And it is not that late, but I I, I'm, I suffer from, uh, I, this is not that uncommon. I, I do have a problem where reading makes me sleepy. So ah, it's tricky. I, it's, it's a great problem to have, honestly. It helps me fall asleep. Uh, I'm sure our listeners benefit from this. Yeah, but it doesn't help what I'm about to talk about, you know, a book that I've been reading. But it was a longer book. It was it was longer than the typical 22-page book. It's a slightly gi- it's a giant size, Edward. Oh, giant size. Giant, 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 giant. Size, size Edward. So. All right. Well, the first book we're going to talk about today is not a giant size. From May of 1974, The Amazing Spider-Man issue 132, The Master Plan of the Molten Man. Written by Jerry Conway, Artistic Skills by John Romita and Paul Oreinman, and inked by Tony Mortello. Oh, great. Spidey is sick again. <laughs> that always means the villain is going to be terrible. Our sick hero watches some cops investigating a break-in at the Natural History Museum. Hope Stegron's not there. The cops let the reader know only rocks were taken, as Spider-Man lets the reader know that he thinks he knows who is behind it. And so do we, since we can see it on the cover, right, Yeah, Eddie? who could this be? Why, why even waste these pages with this, mm, let me investigate. Ah, there's burned footprints in the wall. There's melty glass and walls here and there. Um, it's the dude on the front cover. It's, it's the Bolton Man, just in case anyone wondered. So of all the stories we've kind of missed out on, you know, like... I, I can think of several things that I would rather know about, like the Jackal, maybe the Kingpin's arrest in Las Vegas. They choose to use book time, reiterating something we obviously see on the cover. But you continue, James B. Okay. I was thinking maybe on the letters page that people have been complaining that these mysteries have been too complicated and too hard to solve. So they wanted oh. to give us a, lob us an easy one here. Well, <laughs> the cops see Spidey and they open fire. Poor Spider-Man is still being blamed for the Norman Osborn murder back in issue 122. They're blaming Spider-Man and exclaiming aloud, Jonah Jameson always said he was a public menace. That's what cops like to do when they're shooting at you. They like to <laughs> remind you why they're shooting at you like that. Anyway, after changing into his Peter clothes, he heads home where a troubled Liz Allen runs into him. Peter brings Liz to MJ where a weary Liz collapses into a deep sleep. Oh, Liz, we haven't seen her for such a long time. At this point, I was like, no one's going to tell me why we haven't seen her. Is is it clear here, James B.? Can you help me out? Why haven't we seen Liz? Because they wrote her out and wrote in Gwen Stacy instead as the the blonde. (laughs) That was it. She was just 
We're moving her out in with the new, out with the old. Sorry, Liz. <laughs> all right, yeah. all right. Well, you know, we see her more in the next book too. So, meanwhile, a, a Mr. Raxton. That's all we know. Uh, a familiar surname, of course, is complaining about a snooping maid in his hotel. The maid calls the Daily Bugle, and Ned Leeds heads over just in time for an explosion. As Act One ends, uh, Eddie, I'm going to interrupt my own summary here. Okay. Eddie, this is one of those books that has like the whole Act One, Act Two thing. We haven't seen that in a bit, have we? No, it's been a while. And I personally find it quite obnoxious to constantly be referring to... It's almost the same as the burglary at the beginning. Like, okay, like if this is kind of a play or if this is a play, then I don't want to be reminded when things are happening and when new things are starting with Act 1, Act 2. Uh, this narr- The narration all throughout referring to this bothered me quite a bit. I agree. I did not like this Act 1, Act 2 stuff. And it's in that giant size book we're going to do as yeah. well. Peter goes to get some photos as Spider-Man, and he finds an unconscious Ned Leeds, and the Molten Man is there with some, like, extra molten going on, I guess we could say. Uh, so Spidey has to make a web net um, to punch Raxton. That's the Molten Man, Raxton, by the way. Um, and the battle ends as Multi falls out a window. Uh, Peter drags Ned to a hospital where they both end up collapsing due to radiation poisoning. Ooh. Jeez. So you want to just jump into the next book? Yeah, let's just keep going, James B. Tell me about it. Cue the cool starting another episode music. From... (laughs) Don't do it yourself. (laughs) From June 1974, The Amazing Spider-Man issue 133, The Molten Man Breaks Out. Written by Jerry Conway, artistic skills of Ross Andrew, and inked by F. Yekoya and D. Hunt. The Molten Man is breaking into the hospital to kill Ned Leeds. After nearly being discovered, Peter wakes up, changes into Spidey, and douses Multi with a fire hole. The Molten Man escapes, and Spidey checks on Ned before he heads over to MJ's to see how Liz is doing. Liz gives us a backstory, which includes... The Molten Man. This is a terrible backstory for Liz... First of all, we haven't seen Liz in a long time, and she says she like graduates high school, and then she has an obligation to her stepbrother. Are we to understand that the Molten Man is her stepbrother? Am I wrong? Did you? I was going to squeeze this in at the end, but what happened is when they went to bring the Molten Man back, they they went back and said, "I'm going to do my research on the Molten Man," and the issue that the Molten Man appears in Eddie happens to also be Liz Allen's final issue so i had read in my wikipedia marvel fandom pages and and listeners know that we don't go do a ton of that that's not how we operate here but i was for every reason i needed some information and i read that whoever went back there and looked it up said hey this liz allen character happens to be in the issue and then they were gone i'm going to use that character because they're not being used at all anymore Uh you know with the exception of when liz shows up because flash is creepily following her we haven't seen liz at all so they they retconned this in a way that did make sense. But yeah, that's her stepbrother. They said, right. sure, why not? Why, why, why not? Well, I I mean, it makes more sense why Liz would take a job trying to help her stepbrother because he's very ill as the Molten Man. But this drives me ca- crazy when like he lashes out at her and she's like, if I'd been stronger, perhaps I could have given him the understanding he needed. It's like, Liz, you're dealing with a grown man here, okay? Like, 
I understand he needs help, but it just puts so much blame on Liz and Liz. She doesn't need to be portrayed as so kind of lacking confidence and self-blame and almost, it's not really gaslighting through this, I guess we could say, but the Molten Man, I feel like is blaming Liz for his whole predicament to a certain extent. And I just don't like that. Terrible, terrible writing in there. Didn't, didn't hit me the same way. I didn't think it was as strongly that she was taking the blame for his problems. I think it was just, I felt it was, she's trying to help him and she failed and he fled away wow. to go cause more molten problems. I guess. But whatever. All right. All right. Well, my fault. He struck that intern. It's lines like that that I'm like, no, no. That he struck the intern because he's the molten true. man, There's, not okay. Liz Allen. I so. <laughs> good, good, good assessment. I didn't. I mean, I didn't look at it as closely because I was trying to stay awake. But <laughs> all right. At the bugle, Peter receives a tongue lashing from Jay Jonah and heads out to a recently burned down warehouse. There he discovers the warehouse had radioactive isotopes. He kicks some cops taking pot shots at him and heads to the Museum of Natural Science where he finds his golden boy. I was surprised that Peter finally starts punching the cops. <coughs> I've seen him tie up the cops in his webbing. I've seen him, of course, fleeing from them constantly, but he usually has to go back and start fighting them. And he went in there and he fought them like they were the the typical street-level criminals. He punched them across the page. I'm not saying he shouldn't be punching them, but he just normally doesn't do this. It's, it is a new level for him to be, like, illustrated as fighting the police. I, I, I'm curious how this kind of resounded in audiences when they saw Spider-Man actively kicking police. And I, there could be more to read into it and there could be less. I, I'm just happy. You said it earlier and here once again, they're they're shooting at Spider-Man and oftentimes the cops are shooting at him when he's like out in public. Like in the last book, they're hitting the building he's on. This seems awfully dangerous for the public and rather irresponsible for the police. So I, anything in to one stop of these, these random shots from moving around. In one of these three books, at one moment, they do stop shooting and say, like, we need to stop. We don't want to hit somebody. One one of the three books at one moment. Otherwise, shot, you know, let's just completely open up fire if we see this guy (laughs) everywhere. Is he really that dangerous that he needs to be shot, like, out of the air? And who thinks they can really hit Spider-Man while he's moving around? And how often do the cops, Eddie, find Spider-Man, like, as he's, like, tying up criminals, (laughs) and then they start shooting at him? Yeah, it's... (laughs) It's unreasonable all around. Well, in the museum, Multi knocks Spidey out briefly and chooses to escape. Spidey eventually catches up to him on a subway going across the bridge. Spider-Man throws the Molten Man's bag filled with life-saving isotopes into the Hudson River. And the Molten Man dives in after. There's a mild explosion. Followed by some steam as he hits the water. And that's the end. You know, there was a moment in there where the Molten Man was doing all kinds of talking about, I'm going to use this to cure myself. I'm thinking, is Spider-Man going to be responsible for the Molten Man's death here? Now, I'm not even saying that Mark Raxton dies when he hits the water or not. You know me. I, right. If I don't see a body, I, you know, it's he's coming back. But it really is written for a minute like Spider-Man is the cause of this guy's problems by not allowing him to finish his experiment. And Spider-Man even hesitates for one panel and says like, oh, well, let me help you. And then, you know, he's like, no, fireball, fireball, whatever he does to him. 
Did you get that same kind of sense that Spider-Man was kind of the the villain for a moment? Yeah, it it appears the Molten Man is gathering these isotopes and the um, you know, the jewels from the far east to try to solve his deteriorating body cuz I think I think we could describe it as he's just falling apart, right? Is the way he's depicted in here. Um, what, you know, what struck me actually is when Spider-Man's fighting the Molten Man in this in this way, um, like he says it himself, he's over 300 degrees and like he melts through his asbestos clothing and mask. And I just thought it was interesting to think of a villain you would fight that you couldn't touch. I mean, I don't think Spider-Man gets to touch or grapple with many villains. You know, I think of like Craven the Hunter as being someone he could wrestle with. You know, actively, but is the Molten Man giving off radiation, or is it the things that he has? This seems a little unclear to me. Yeah, I wasn't sure either. I thought it was from him. I, I think so but, too. Which, yeah. which I honestly, that would be a really interesting battle to fight. To have Spider-Man fight the Molten Man, and even if Spider-Man's winning the battle, he's taking in radiation, making him weaker every second that it takes him to fight the Molten Man. You know, I'm not a big fan of the Molten Man, but if he's too hot to touch and he's weakening people he's fighting just through radiation, this this makes fighting much more interesting with the Molten Man, in my opinion. I'm not a big fan of the Molten Man, said everyone ever listening <laughs> to this podcast ever. But yes, it, he would be a more difficult foe to fight if we couldn't touch him and he was causing you know radiation poisoning just as he moved around so um eddie <laughs> we, we we took the time to add a third book because we thought the molten man books might be a little light is there anything else you want to say about these molten man books before we talk about our third book uh let's go on we can chit chat later if we if we wanted all right so this last book is uh chronologically it's about a month ahead so this we're about maybe a podcast early, but we wanted to squeeze it in here. It's from June 1974. Stanley presents Giant Superheroes 1, The Amazing Spider-Man, Man-Wolf at Midnight by Conway, Kane, and Esposito. Uh, Peter's internally battling some of his long-standing dilemmas when John Jameson returns to Man-Wolf form. Morbius has manipulated this transformation and figured out how to control Man-Wolf, Man-Wolf, and Spidey battle while Morbius seeks out Professor Harold Ward, head of the hematology research department at ESU. As Morbius is explaining to the professor he wants a blood transfusion he's working on, uh, Spidey webs him. An epic battle ensues between Spider-Man and Morbius, which breaks most of the equipment in the lab and infuriates Morbius. We end with a forlorn J. Jonah Jameson kneeling next to his injured and sleeping son, back in human form. Uh, you know, I kept the summary short here, James B., because I really wanted to talk about how Spider-Man... is the villain in this book, right? Um, yeah, I saw this comment of yours, and I wasn't sure which way to go with it. So, yeah, you know, here again... <laughs> You know, this is a very short summary purposely. We we just it's the longest book of the three books, but there isn't that much to it. Yeah, Spider Man once again is uh he's stopping Morbius, who's trying to 
cure himself and there's Spider-Man getting in the way because the people that are trying to cure themselves of these terrible things are doing it in a very inappropriate, you know, inconvenient way. So, yeah, he's kind of the kind of villain. Of course, we say he's the villain, but look, he's not the villain. We, we understand that, but... I, I, he's a villain. I, I think this is, I mean, Morbius says after he presents himself to the professor, and I understand he's scary looking, but he's like, I've been through hell, Professor Ward, and I've come to you to release me. I mean, that sounds like a guy who's not there to fight you. He wants some help, right? Right. But Morbius also used some very questionable abilities to lure John Jameson to him and then change him into Man-Wolf, which we thought he was cured of. True. And Morbius has taken advantage of another person, and he only did that so Man-Wolf could fight Spider-Man, which wasn't much of a fight this time. There's a lot of panels, but not a lot of fight, right? It was kind of odd, I thought. Yeah, as usual, like, you know, you you had the same thing where you can't have John Jameson hurting anybody, he can't hurt innocent bystanders, he can't hurt Spider-Man, you know, there's a lot of questionable things going on here there is a part in this book when one of the criminals says to spider-man something like uh why are you you know why are you bugging with us like you know the cops at least are getting paid for this job what are you getting from this so that's one of peter's two shocked panel moments it, it's you know that leads into uh, when i was talking about one of his long-standing dilemmas why he's spider-man i peter questions this you know, what is my motivation here to be Spider-Man? Why am I, why am I, you know, mopping up these penny ante crooks for a couple of shots of uh, pictures for Jay Jonah to publish in the Bugle? And then later on, he says it's it's because I'm here to fight the criminals that the police and other people can't fight without my superpowers. But I think this is all garbage. You know what? I mean, what, what do you think? Why do you think he's Spider-Man, James B? Didn't we already cover uh, Spider-Man times. No More? <laughs> Several times. Can't, can't, can't Conway just come up with his own storyline and leave alone something that's already been done? So um, many times. <laughs> I want to talk about something else. Okay. What is Photographer of the Year all about? <laughs> it's true. He's supposed to win this award. Well, I, yeah, I think that's that seems like an, a real award that could be issued there's an epilogue at the very end and it says peter uh this is joe robbie epilogue two you may have missed it james b as your (laughs) eyes were fluttering (laughs) i don't know why the molten man and wolf man weren't keeping you awake (laughs) peter about that award i'm sorry but it seems my congratulations were premature and peter says forget it robbie it's not important i've got enough to be happy about (laughs) Happy. He's, he's, I think he's feeling guilty because, you know, Morbius and Manwolf are trying to cure themselves. Right. And he, you know, they, he messes yeah. it all up. They have no choice. They have no choice but to be who they are. And he can just be like, ah, I'm going to be Peter now. Well, we can, uh, we could wrap things up, except we never squeeze in our sponsor. And it's a oh. quick little PSA, thankfully. So, okay. Um, you know, you can just sit back and listen. There's really not much to it. Great. It's a PSA from Spider Man called Don't Quit. Hey kids, if you have a hard test and you are distracted, call Spider-Man. He will take away your phone and hide your TV so you can really study. Don't quit. Having a hard time driving? 
Don't let Johnny Storm tell you that you can't drive. Spider-Man will splash water on him and clear a path for you. Don't quit. When the Molten Man wanted to quit being molten, he stole a bunch of stuff until Spidey said, Life is tough, but don't change who you are. Don't quit. When Morbius wanted to steal some blood and stop being his best self, Spidey showed up, broke the equipment, so Morbius couldn't quit being himself. Don't quit. We are all unique and have different talents. Remember, Spidey says, try your hardest, be yourself, and don't quit. All right. Well... So, so I guess the message is, is even if you have like a life, life-threatening, life-altering problem, Spider-Man's going to not allow you to change that in your life. He's gonna, he's gonna keep you going. Yep, I think we've, uh, I think we've seen that today, right? Am I correct <laughs> that that has been kind of a theme where anytime somebody is wants to change anything about themselves, Spider-Man's there to say no, just be yourself, even if you're it's like. So, 300 degrees. So, like, if I'm aspiring to be a principal and I have, uh-huh. like, my certificate because right. I'm a teacher right now, Spider-Man runs into me. He's just going to tear up that certificate and be like, hey, man, <laughs> you're a <Correct>. teacher. <laughs> yeah, and if you're trying to, like, if you got, like, a, uh, you got, like, a bunch of candy with you, you got a big box of, of uh, Raisinets and, and a big Girl Scout cookies, Thin Mints, and... You're thinking, ah, oh, really, I shouldn't eat this because I'm gaining too much weight. Spider-Man's going to be like, no, eat your darn snacks. Be yourself, man. You know? Yeah. Don't quit. Just right. keep, be exactly who you are. Web me onto my couch. Keep going, tubby. Yeah. There you go. Just whatever you are, keep doing it. Don't don't try to come up with a solution that changes who you are. Okay. So. All right. Thanks, Spider-Man. All right. I guess. (laughs) (laughs) So, Spider-Man PSAs. I just read them. Um, Do you uh, have any other final closing thoughts about any of these books? Well, I, you know, my only one was I, I did like how Morbius like scuba dove into the river to get this stone that transforms uh, John Jameson. Did you see him swimming through the water? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> towards the I did blinding stone here it just is an interesting thought that Morbius I mean do you think he can fly into outer space I guess he has blood in him his blood would boil but he doesn't have to breathe so I was right? spending a little bit of time trying to remember where we last left Morbius like it tells Ooh. you in the molten man stories that more the molten man was in some kind of hospital and it tells you that uh, Man Wolf is, you know, being his best John Jameson with, with his girlfriend there. They're still, uh, fiance rather. They're still together. But I was like, when did we last leave Morbius? I, we lo- we left him in the Marvel team-ups. He was a Marvel team-up four. But did he just run away? Yeah. He said, I'll see you again one day. And he fled. I don't remember how he, like, how it ended. Yeah, it is, it is very, talk about not giving us some story we might want. He does say the, that first day when I read of your accident in the in your father's newspaper i was in the south at the time <laughs> okay that's very vague the south and uh but i came north immediately so right. i guess he came back and then i like this word i found a, a drunken sot who'd witnessed your battle with spider-man i can only hope it's not depicted as nathaniel the drunken yes. doc <laughs> Nathaniel, hopefully it wore off he was turned was- to stone but he had jeans like captain america and <laughs> Maybe while he was in stone form, he saw all the actions that took place. Who knows? 
Who knows? Yes, we all thought about Nathaniel. <laughs> yeah, I did for sure. In the drunken doc. Well, doc I have guy. the Nathaniel Sailor. action figure right here that you need out of stone <laughs> from the collector's set. Oh, I, I bet, sure you, have I bet you had about as much fun as that as you did reading the rest of the, the end of this book, James. <laughs> <laughs> well, if other people wanted to tell us how much fun they had reading these books, where could they write to us? You could email us anytime at letsreadspiderman at gmail.com. And if they wanted to go to where the real action is and fire us a tweet, where could they do that? Yeah, you could find us at Let's Read Spidey on Twitter. Uh, this is Eddie, joined by... James B. And remember, listeners, if you're a 300-degree man with radioactive pouring out of your body, don't jump into a river. Goodbye. Goodbye. All the jobs and all the ways we've ever seen John Jameson in uh, order in order uh, military man he was something before he was an astronaut right I think he starts off as an astronaut don't we well when, he, when he's flying on the on the plane being saved isn't that the astronaut job I, in this era he had to be in the military before he was an astronaut there's just okay I'm not yeah he also had to go to high school but, <laughs> I just mean, the first time we meet him, he is... You don't think we meet him as an astronaut first? Yes, we do. Okay, okay. fair. Then, next... I don't, you're going to have to help me out here, James B. My John Jameson trivia is off. Okay. I, What's he do next? He's like guarding the nullifiers that are going to be stolen by right. Doc Ock and those guys? Yes, correct. Then he comes back Weird. as a superhero? Yep, that's right. Correct. Right? He like okay. gets really big... Because he's because I remember he's like giving Spider Man like the the winkies in the window like thanks for the help yeah Spider-Man. yeah 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 that's during that era, <laughs> and it is the next time we see him then he's with Christine and he's turning into Manuel, I think I mean I think so, no, I think there might be one more thing with him. I think he, I feel like he's in charge of one more protection rig his his I mean you're exactly right he's been turned into a superhero, big guy. And then he got turned into a werewolf. His body is, it's, it's had a lot of weird transformation occur.